Hi, and welcome to another episode of the KDI Wealth Alchemist podcast. Here today with Kevin Dick and me, Carrie Dick. Yeah, this is so much fun. It's because anybody watching this probably knows us since we're making this for you. I got to tell you that neither one of us is 100% comfortable yet, but we've got this wonderful guy behind the uh, system here, my son Mason, who knows all about this a lot better than we are, making us look better, believe me, than what we would if we weren't getting his help. Today we're going to talk a little bit about high net worth individuals and how they have unique concerns and priorities, primarily due to the size of their assets. It always goes back to with greater assets come greater complexities. Sometimes it's a really great problem to have, right? It's always a great problem to have, I think. I mean, I'd rather have that than the than the alternative. Yeah, so I think there's probably... 30 or 40 concerns, but let's talk about the top 10 concerns of the high net worth families. Yeah. So number one, kind of leading the way is preservation of their existing wealth, right? I'll use ourselves as an example. We're doing a lot better than we were 20 years ago. Yes, we have a very successful right. firm. I don't really want to go back to how I was living 20 years ago. Not that I couldn't, but I'm not really excited about the idea of having to check my budget before I order <laughs> takeout Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> right. But as long as we have each other, right? That's right. <laughs> Some things that we have to consider and our peers have to consider, we've got inflation. We've got market fluctuations and the timing of when we might pull money out of our accounts for maybe a big purchase. So you've got to look at that. Sure. And sometimes there's unforeseen market challenges or economic challenges out there. We've never been through anything like that, have we? Oh, gosh, no. Only a half a dozen of them. You know, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is what erodes your wealth while you sleep, right? So the, the key ones would be inflation, taxation, and market volatility. Right. And if we can control those or at least limit exposure to those, how do we offset the risks against inflation? Kind of goes back to that old own loan Continuum, you know, you can own things, so houses, stocks, businesses, or you can loan your money, CDs, bonds, municipal bonds. Typically, the things that are ownership investments fight inflation. Ownership investments typically don't keep up over time. So having your assets invested properly and then secondarily making sure that we don't quietly erode our wealth with taxation. And that comes back to how we work with our clients and their team, whether it be our internal team or external team of tax preparers, estate planning attorneys, et cetera. Right. And the amazing thing that I see over and over again is this wealth preservation aspect. It doesn't just span a certain amount of wealth. It spans all people, no matter their wealth. We've had some clients who we know that they're going to be fine, but then it's, it still keeps them up at night. Yeah. I, I don't think that ever goes away. Right. Um, hasn't for us. I mean, no. We, and we're, we're in the business. So we, we think about it. We talk about it. You know, I love our buffer. We prepare for it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. So part of that, as far as investments and volatility, falls under the next category, which is the investment strategy. When we talk about the investment strategy, typically we want that very well-defined depending on the circumstance of the client, there needs to be a process where we've talked through exactly what we're going to do, why we're doing it, how we're going to do it. And that way there's no surprises. 
tying that to their risk tolerance. If you have a lower cash flow need and a higher wealth, we can be more aggressive. If you're spending every penny the investment's making, typically we have to be a little more constrained. Part of what I would add to that is how we create the investment strategy. Like you said, you've got the risk tolerance, the time horizon, how long are we going to have to invest that money and let that accumulate until they actually do spend the money? Is that three years? Is it five years? Is it on to the beneficiary? So that is dependent upon those aspects. And then financial goals. And that's why we start every client relationship with a financial plan. We can't get where we're going if we don't have a plan to get there. Sure. You know, it goes back to we're flying to New York City and we file a flight plan. And then halfway over Kansas, we're like, oh, I think I'm going to go to Rio de Janeiro. How does that work? Well, number one, we're not going to have enough fuel. (laughs) And we're going to have different weather. You're going to have different needs for your flight crew. So it's really good to have a plan. We can make adjustments to a plan. Sure. But going back to our investment strategy, it's really important that we have those financial goals in mind. Agreed. And that leads us to estate planning. So estate planning, first of all, we would always suggest that you talk to an attorney and attorney needs to be involved when we're doing estate planning to draft the document and to give their expertise. But in estate planning, what we're really trying to do is protect assets from taxation within the realm of what the rules apply. Right. We don't we don't break rules in that space. Talking about the IRS, we're always going to behave within those confines, but then using to the best advantage we can those rules to protect the asset and then to effectively transfer it to the next generation and as smoothly as possible so there's not a bunch of hiccups when somebody passes. But estate planning, I'm really thinking we table that for one of our webinars where we have an attorney involved and we'll go a little deeper. Right. What do you think about when I say tax efficiency, which is number four, what comes to mind? What really comes to mind? Sure. (laughs) Making the most amount of money and paying the least amount of taxes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know, we want to make sure that every year we're, harvesting losses so that we can offset gains sure, and we can keep a tax base low. Again, that goes back to wealth preservation. Absolutely. The less that we have to pay in taxes, the more that accumulates or we can pass to our family. We can utilize different types of taxable accounts or non-taxable accounts. We can use some different investment types to make sure that we are taking advantage of tax efficiency inside of those. Like you said, it's not tax avoidance. It's using tax advantage strategies, harvesting losses to carry over to subsequent years so we can use them later. You know, if there's real estate investments, are we utilizing like-to-like transfers to avoid taxation today and waiting for stepped-up basis for our heirs? All those things come into tax efficiency, using qualified dividends in a non-taxable or in a taxable account, non-deferred account. It can be something as simple as creating a strategy to keep you in a certain tax bracket so that you're not having to pay excess taxes when it's not necessary. Sure. And what is risk management? I always love this because we throw these terms around all the time. Risk management really goes so much further than just how you're allocated. It could be how you're insured. 
you know, do you have the proper umbrella insurance so that if, God forbid, some tragedy happens or you say something off the cuff and somebody says, hey, that was slander or (laughs) you fill in the blanks and, and your level of risk goes up with your exposure. If you're high net worth and you're sitting on a couple of publicly traded boards or you're sitting on a a foundation, do you have the proper board insurance behind you? Have you asked those questions? All those things that we delve into when we're working with our high net worth clients. Right. And it could be your health care. The last three years of your life, if you don't have the proper insurance in place, especially if you have Alzheimer's or you have had a stroke and you have long-term care needs, then, you know, that can erode your wealth greatly. Yeah, it's funny. I, so, so often we talk to folks and they say, well, I'll just self-insure that. Well, you can't self-insure anything. You can self-pay, but you can't really self-insure. Insurance means you're putting the risk on somebody else, typically for a lesser cost over time with a group of people so that you actually aren't bearing the whole cost of the event. Self-pay would be, yeah, I'm going to invest a certain amount of money in this bucket so that if I do go into care, that money's there. And for our needs. business owners, you know, you've got business continuation. You've got key man insurance. If something happened to you, then how would somebody buy your largest, probably your largest asset right? and help fund the expenses for the rest of your family for their lives? So there's there's a lot to consider. And it's not just about how you feel about the markets or your home insurance. And your sure. car insurance. So Yeah, it just remind me of one other thing, too. Something that we ran into several years back. We had a client who had a solid umbrella, but the insurance agent failed to notice that they didn't have the proper, oh, deductible limits oh, okay. and coverage on their cars that it would carry over to their umbrella. And it was within the same agency. Oh, wow. Fortunately, they had a good attorney and it still worked out, but... That's now a question that we ask, and we ask our clients to make sure they have that discussion with their private lines, or if they're working with you know, our, our referral source, we know that person's already going to ask those questions. Yeah. So I think as we move on, I th- one aspect or one concern that these high net worth clients have is that of philanthropy. It's obviously near and dear to my heart, and I know yours is... A lot of people want to make that positive impact on society. And so philanthropy is a huge part. I know my dad, that was part of his trust work, is certain charities out there. And he sponsored two children in Nicaragua. And even though that he passed away last year, you know, part of his planning is continuing on paying for their school. The one child is 10 years old. And so we'll be funding that. And then... The other child actually graduates college this year. So that's so rewarding personally. Sure. I think what philanthropy does is it fills the gap. You know, our purpose starts to get defined. Oh, well, there's what's the quote to to those who have been given much, much is expected. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. And I don't know who to quote there. but But the reality is as we start to have successes, we want to see our money work. We want to see our money do good. And philanthropy is a way to see it do good while you're still here. Um, and we yeah. do have great vehicles to utilize. You know, there's donor advised funds. You can have charitable trusts. 
and so forth that we can help plan for that even you know now and to leave that legacy of philanthropy as well sure and those donor advice funds what a lot of folks don't know is you can actually leave your your beneficiaries as the ones who give that money out mm-hmm. and so you can leave a legacy of giving right to your you know to your kids to your grandkids have family meetings and keep the keep the purpose going you're supposed to have family meetings you should definitely be having family <laughs> meetings. <laughs> yes. So succession planning, and this is a big one for us, both as business coaches as well as being entrepreneurs. But m- many of our clients are business owners. And it's amazing the statistics. Number one of how many people just give up their business because they had no succession planning. 80%. 80%. Yes. Leave the business without taking any of the value of that business with them. Right. And only 20% actually sell. And then there's a, a, a fairly large portion of that that are just liquidations when they can maximize the value of their business and sell it. And it has the potential to be your largest asset, your and business succession can. planning is for sure. I mean, where you bring in the key members of your team, you bring in your legal team, Right. So key members of your business team, key members of your legal team, your financial advisor. And typically there's a lot of discussion. You want your tax preparer involved, your CPA. You know, how, what's the best way for this succession to happen? What's the best timeline from a taxability standpoint? How do I make sure that the people are in the right seats that are going to continue the firm in the direction that you wanted or better the firm? So, yeah, I mean, it's not... It's, we always say it's our baby. This is our baby. And, and certainly we believe in our team that we put in place. And at the same time, we are speaking to them all the time about what our value system is and, and what we expect should something happen to us. Well, right. And again, it's not about that beautiful, wonderful, rosy day that we decide not to work in the business anymore and we pass it on to the next generation. That's what it is for me. Well, What we is it for you? Well, I hope it's that, but there's a large portion of businesses out there that don't get to sell that way because of something that happens, some sort yeah, of but disruption. Yeah, that's not going to happen to us. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some sort of disruption, whether it's health or family or some other kind of disruption that happens and they're forced to sell their business. So. Yeah, I'm being coy, of course. Yes, I mean, of course. unfortunately, a lot of a lot of us don't get to decide how that happens, so. Yeah. So good. And then this is an interesting one, and I, I think this really affects more of our ultra-high net worth, but global citizenship. A lot of our clients, as they have wealth and have ideas that they want to live somewhere else part of the time, let's say they want to live in Italy or their family's all from Ireland and they want to go back to their roots and live part-time there, maybe have dual citizenship, it, it's an issue. And, mm-hmm. and folks, a lot of times, are trying to figure out how to do that dual citizenship, also honoring the tax codes for the different places they live and making sure all that comes together. A lot of times their CPA that they've been with for years can do 80% of their tax work, but they still need to bring somebody else in, an international specialist, to tie it all together. Right. Yeah, we have several of those. And we've had some that have moved from abroad to here, and their pension still might be in Europe somewhere, and then they have their assets here. And so planning for both of those, it's it can get a little complex. For sure. And then privacy and security, which is just such a big one now. Um, I mean, literally had a phone call this morning from a client of ours who 
wanted to make sure that we knew that she'd been victim of a fraud and was hurrying, talking to the police, locking up credit reports, et cetera, and trying to keep her private things private. Happens every day. And when we talk about privacy and security for high net worth, we're not just talking about, you know, cybersecurity. We're also talking about personal security. We're talking about what's the right security system for your home, for your second home, so you can keep an eye on it. You know, do you need boots on the ground security? When you're traveling, we certainly have talked to folks that, let's say, go on a trip to Israel, and they might want a team to escort them while they're there or have business in Mexico City and they need transportation around town and and they know that they're open to the risks of being there and they want to make sure that they're safe while they're there. So they may need to acquire just temporary security while they're abroad. Yeah, that's that's something you don't think about every day, just going back and forth to work in, in your community. But when you do go out to different places or you do work in positions that open you up to those different aspects of life that we're just not used to every day. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah. And then wealth diversification is kind of our wrap-up. So when you talk about wealth diversification, typically when you talk about an investment advisor or a stockbroker or that person that's only in the equity and bond space, let's say, stocks and bonds, mutual funds, when you're high net worth, you're dealing with private real estate, private equity, private debt, stock options, could be stock grants. There's so many different ways that the higher net worth have to look at the big picture and and maintain some balance if possible. And a lot of times what we run into is it's just not possible because their biggest asset, let's say, is is their business. And so we may be doing we may be covering that risk with insurance or again buy sell agreements it could be that their biggest asset is a a big stock position in a company that they work for as a c suite executive and that wealth diversification means so much more than diversification 101 exactly you know. so well, I think that wraps up. I mean, we could go deep into any of these topics and maybe we'll get feedback from our listeners of how what they would want to listen to and how deep they want to go into any of these topics. We'd love to hear back from you. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions on these topics, so wealth preservation, investment strategy, estate planning, tax efficiency, risk management, philanthropy, succession planning, wealth diversification, global citizenship, or privacy and security, by all means, reach out to us. We've got a lot of white papers that we've written on this and other papers we have access to. And again, we'll probably follow up with some webinars. Yeah, I do know in one of our upcoming webinars pretty soon, we will be focusing on privacy and security as well. So You bet. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for now.